All right, so as you can see, the kids are in here, and what we did was they had a birthday party for Jesus. We got them all sugared up and thought we'd bring them in here. (laughs) So I want us to walk through what we see in this nativity scene, and I want us to consider what we see in these nativity scenes. And so, kids, I'm going to need you to help me. And I'm going to hold some characters up, and y'all can just yell at me and tell me who who they are. So we'll start out with these two. Who are these guys? Mary Mary and Mary and Joseph. So the first two characters that we see are Mary and Joseph. In Matthew, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. From the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And this, is, this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph woke from the dream and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. So Mary and Joseph, are, Mary is pregnant. And here's Joseph, and the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every man to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of Nazareth, unto the city of David, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. And the Bible tells us she was great with child. One of my favorite ways to to call a pregnant wife. She's great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so they went to go to Bethlehem, and then they got to Bethlehem, and they went to the hotel, and there was no room. Instead of saying vacancies, it said no vacancies. And so there they were in a stable because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, who are these guys here? Wise men. They're the smart guys. Now, we know what their deal is. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, 
in Bethlehem of Judah. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country by their own way. So the wise men were actually, in some of the songs we call them kings from the east. The word that's used in the Bible is the magi. They were the smart ones. They were the ones who studied things and they knew that the king was coming. And since the, the, these kings came and worshipped the king, that tells us that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. That, Jesus, that there are no kings over Jesus. He is the, the greatest king. And so, on our particular set, what do we got here? Who is this? It's another wise man, but I wanted you to say it was a shepherd because you would know that's what's next in the story. But this particular set doesn't have a shepherd. So we're going to pretend this is a shepherd, okay? Can we pretend it's a shepherd? So what is this? No, we can't. What if we pretend Joseph's a shepherd? I just need a shepherd up in this house. The story that we read in Luke chapter 2 continues, and I promise there's a shepherd. I don't know why there's not one in the story. So, lo, there, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, I love that, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And so they're out watching their sheep, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's this glory all around them. And this angel of the Lord is standing there in front of them, and he says to them, fear not. So wait, 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 what is this? What do we got here? We may not have a shepherd, but we've got a poorly theologically defined angel. The angel says, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go, even unto Bethlehem, and see the thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, I, 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 we were teaching through and talking about shepherds uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that I pointed out 
that shepherds in the Near East, in the Middle East, are always low on the totem pole socially. It's almost always old men and old women or little bitty kids. When we lived in Turkey, it was still the same way. It wasn't uncommon at all to be going down the interstate and look in the median. And in the median, there would be an old man whose knuckles were bent with arthritis who's sitting there watching the sheep. And he's letting those sheep eat in the median of the road. And his job is just to sit there and keep, keep the sheep out of the road. Or you would be out, as I traveled out up in the the hill country, everywhere that you would go, there would be stacks of rocks. And those stacks of rocks would tell whoever came afterwards what had just grazed that particular field up there, whether it had been sheep or goats. And the people who did that would be old men or little bitty kids that weren't old enough to work yet. It wouldn't be uncommon at all to see a five-year-old, six-year-old kid standing out there with a sheep with a stick. And so when the sheep went one way where they weren't supposed to, the kid would crack them in the head with that stick and get them back where they were supposed to go. The shepherds were the lowest of the low. They, they had no value whatsoever in the culture. The, the only people that would be shepherds would be people who had, couldn't work in the fields. They couldn't do anything else except stand around and watch sheep being sheep. It's a boring job, and it's a job that anybody can do. And so isn't it ironic that God chose to show up among a bunch of worthless people? That's who God sent the angels to. That's who God sent the heavenly host to, to cry out, Glory to God in the highest. Wouldn't you think, kids, that God would have sent those angels to the throne room of Herod? That God would have sent those angels to Rome where the mighty were? No, God chose to send those angels to the lowest of the low according to the culture. Because you know what? Everybody carries the image of God. And God wanted to send a message that Jesus is king of kings. He is mighty. But the Bible also said he would come and he wouldn't even bruise a reed. That no matter where you are in life... No matter what's going on in your life, you can reach out. You can call on the king. As I witness to people, and we've talked about this before, one of the most common things people say to me is, why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? It's called the problem of pain. It's something that for centuries people have have put out there to Christians. Why, if God is just, does he allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, my first response to that is, there's only ever been one good person that bad things happened to, and he volunteered for the job. But, the other side of that is this. So, if we want God to destroy evil, and that's ultimately what you're saying. When bad things happen, typically they happen because bad people do bad things. Now, there's also the destruction in the world and all the things that are the consequences of sin. But let's focus on a minute on on people. Bad things happen. So at what level do you want God to destroy evil? Do you want God to just destroy all the murderers and rapists? Or does that concern for evil in this world trickle on down? What about people who are idolaters? Should God destroy those? What about liars? Should God destroy those? How about thieves? How about people that lust? Is it an action thing or a thought thing? 
Because in reality, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so if God removed everybody who was evil in this world, you and I wouldn't be here. We are evil. We are wicked. And there are times in our lives when we feel like because of our own sin, because of our own mistakes, we are beaten down and there's nothing we can do. And I think that God bringing this message to the shepherds shows us that no matter what station you are in life, no matter what the world tells you about yourself, that the king cares about you and you can call on him. Love will find you no matter where you are. And so these shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks by night, the, the glory of God himself, which is the same word that's used in the Septuagint for the Shekinah glory, Shekinah glory of God that came down on the temple, all of a sudden, boom, showed up in that field. Where a bunch of blue-collar nobodies are out doing a job that they probably hated doing. That's where God decided to send his Shekinah glory. Whether you're a king or where you're a, whether you're a prince, we're the same before a holy God. And so we see the wise men. We see the shepherds. We see Mary and Joseph. Who's missing? What's missing? The shepherds, the, the shepherds are missing, but let's move past that. Jesus. Who? Jesus. We're missing the baby. We're missing baby Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus. I'm going to fall off the stage at some point. I know that. Y'all can just move past it. All right. And let me tell you this. There are two, three places in the Bible where the nativity is, is shown. One is in Matthew where we read about the, the wise men and where, where we read uh, earlier. And then that Luke... One and two, which we read. And then my favorite telling of the nativity is Revelation chapter 12. Last night, I was telling my kids, we were looking at the nativity scene, and I said, where's the dragon? And my kids, who've heard me preach this sermon like five times, said, what dragon? <laughs> last, last Christmas, when Christmas fell on Sunday, I preached a sermon where I said, we need to add a red dragon to all the nativity scenes. And none of y'all remembered it. How you forget something like that? Kids, where's the dragon? We don't have one. You know why? Because we haven't read the Bible. Let me read the story. Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet. And on her head a crown of 12 stars. That's Mary. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, I'm not making this up, Eli, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman... That was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. We never see that in nativity scenes. That's the nativity scene I want with the red dragon. And he sit there hunched down. I could just picture it in my mind. I'm going to make this nativity scene. Watch it. I could sell it. But she gave birth to a male child. One who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. 
But her child was caught up to God into his throne. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So here Jesus was born as a helpless baby. Now think about this. The God that created the world. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was nothing made that He didn't make. And He condescended to be a baby who had to get his diaper changed. He went from the gates of heaven to a stable in nowhere, backwood corner of Israel. And so the enemy knew that God was breaking into history and he did not want it to happen. The baby grew to become a man and he was victorious. And what was said about that baby when he grew up in Colossians chapter 1, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We can't tell the Christmas story without saying, the baby grew up, And he took our place, all the punishment we deserve, he took on the cross. He proclaimed, it is finished. And then he was put in a borrowed tomb. And then three days later, Easter morning, the sun broke and the tomb was empty. And he arose And because he was victorious, you too can be victorious. Because he has come, the hope that we've talked about is available. Because he came, we can be free. We don't have to be bound by sin anymore. We don't have to be bound by guilt anymore. We don't have to live as slaves to the fear of death. We are offered freedom. For those of us who call on the name of the Lord are saved. Completely and totally. So that Paul could say in the book of Ephesians that we are in the heavenly places. What he is, the new work that he's beginning in you, he will complete. And the other reason why we can live a life of hope is the baby is coming back. And he's not coming back as a helpless baby in a manger. He's coming back. He's not coming back in humility on a donkey, Jeff. He's coming back on a stallion. He's coming back and he will be. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this nativity story. Lord, we thank you for the promise of your second coming.
Lord, I pray that today and tomorrow as we worship, Lord, that as we look to the baby in a manger, that it would be with a profound sense of gratitude that the Father loved us enough to send His Son. And it would be an eye to the future. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen.